Welcome to episode two of the Startup Scientist podcast. I'm your host, Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here to talk about navigating and building your scientific career using a startup framework. Now, if you're wondering why this is called the Startup Scientist, make sure you check out episode one. Now, these episodes are really short, so this should take no time. So as a scientist, our goal is to produce outputs. If you're not sharing your science, you are just doing a hobby. These outputs include publications, presentations, blogs, all things like that. Now, each of our outputs have uh, users, or at the risk of sounding too businessy, we have customers or clients that consume what we produce. Now, when you boil it down, all of our outputs are solving problems, essentially. Sometimes this is really obvious, like developing treatments for diseases, but usually the problems that we solve are less direct. In most areas in the biomedical sciences, at least, researchers are solving incremental problems. Each manuscript spells this out in the introduction. This sets the scene and then explains what problem the paper will solve, which goes something like, the purpose of this paper is to, etc, etc. Now usually it's to advance knowledge in an area or present a new method. But you're probably thinking, well, what's the point of a review? Well, reviews also solve a big problem, and that's that scientists are extremely time poor. So reviews conveniently synthesize an area of research. Someone out there spent a lot of time summarizing the state of the art in an area so you didn't have to. Now, in tech circles, releasing a product is often called shipping something. One of the many examples of ideas and terminologies taken from the manufacturing industry. And we can often have these grandiose plans for our science, which is fine because good science takes time. But how do we know in the future that people are actually going to want our outputs? How do you figure this out? Now, I know this is very relative. It's unfair comparing the outputs of the basic sciences, for instance, to the clinical sciences. But the worst thing that you can do is create outputs that nobody wants. Now, what you need to do is to ship your output or produce papers or produce publications, measure the response, and then decide whether to pivot your research or to persevere. Now, there are two broad ways to measure the response. Did my paper get accepted into prestigious journal X is one. But we're learning more and more that this isn't a measure of individual article impact, even though it's usually used this way. So where does this lead us? Well, with the evaluation of individual article metrics, such as citations for one, but there's one big problem with citations. They can be really slow. I know personally I can be looking at a publication and it takes months until people actually start citing the work and I'm sure you, the listener, have experienced something similar to that. So once again, you're in the dark. Now this is where altmetrics steps in. The altmetrics, or otherwise called alternative metrics, uses almost, in, almost instant information from social media, like Twitter, like Facebook, um, but also news services and blogs, to, um, and they use this information to gauge the impact of research. Now, the cool thing is that Altmetrics can actually predict future citations. I actually recently published an article um, which was looking at uh, articles that were published in the American Journal of Psychiatry um, between uh, 2014 and 2015. Now, what I found 
with this research was that uh, articles which had uh, higher levels of people tweeting about them or sharing them on Facebook uh, were more likely to be uh, to be cited later on, um, which is uh, which is really interesting. And this has been shown in a wide uh, wide range of different uh, research fields um, that uh, if you actually have an article which is tweeted about, which is almost instant, uh, you're more likely to actually get citations in the future. So we have a really good idea almost instantly whether uh, our research is having impact. So coming back to this idea of shipping, then measuring, then learning, you can actually use altmetrics to get a good idea of, is my research solving a problem? Now, a quick feedback loop is the best, and that's why manuscript workshops are great. Now, the idea of a manuscript workshop is actually pretty new to me. At my old institution at the University of Sydney, I'd heard of them, but never actually participated in them. But uh, in my new lab at the University of Oslo, every few weeks, we have uh, somebody who submits a manuscript, and we have a workshop and actually give feedback on how publications can improve. So it's good because publication takes a long time. So you need other forums to actually test your ideas. For one, you could use social media or one of your close colleagues, bounce your ideas off them. Now, that's one of the reasons why I never work towards putting together the perfect manuscript. Um, I mean, for one, the perfect manuscript doesn't exist because no matter what you do, you can never predict what the reviewer is gonna want. Um, but I also think that you can't work towards a perfect manuscript before sending it to your co-authors. Um, I know, uh, I usually aim for about, you know, about 70%. Um, and sometimes you can have a blind spot for a bad idea that your co-authors will pick up on. So you shouldn't be wasting hours pursuing something that won't end up in the manuscript. I know in the past this has happened to be a lot. I think I'm onto a great thing and I spend days reading about a certain subject only for one of my co-authors to correctly say, you know what, I think this is off topic. So if I actually sent out my ideas earlier, I would have saved a lot of time. So how do you actually accelerate this feedback loop? Well, you ship your outputs, you write blog posts, you send drafts to co-authors early, but not too early. You shouldn't be sending them sloppy stuff. You set up presentations at other institutions. Now, when it comes to presentations at other, other institutions, the thing is that people are actually looking for people to fill up slots. So if you suggest to someone, hey, I'm gonna be around in this particular area, do you have any opportunities to speak? Chances are they're gonna say yes, because they're looking for people. It might not fit your timetable, but, uh, but you never know. And uh, when it comes to the feedback loop, the final thing is publishing papers. Now, saying all this, you shouldn't be shipping garbage. But on the other hand, you shouldn't be waiting until it's too late before you find out what you're doing isn't solving any problems. Everything we ship is an experiment. Is this solving a problem? We figure this out by the feedback loop. We measure the response and we learn. Now we're scientists, so we should be really good at running these experiments. To give you an example, a number of years ago, I thought there was a need to provide uh, easy to understand primers on heart rate variability, which is one of the areas of my research. So to test this hypothesis, I started tweeting links to papers and even sharing my own observations on heart rate variability or HRV. People seemed to like it. So it looked like there was some sort of an interest here. 
Now I also bounce this idea of a colleague, James Heathers, who I also co-host my other podcast, Everything Hurts, with, and uh, he seemed to like it. Then we put together a quick paper on important considerations for heart rate variability research in psychology in a journal, as is important, it was a journal with the rigorous yet quick review process. Because I wasn't sure if there was an interest here, I didn't want to write a long article targeted towards a journal that would take forever to publish the work. That would take up a lot of my time. So we ended up publishing it in this, uh, in this journal, uh, Frontiers, and this paper has been out for a year and a half already and received almost 20 citations. So this is so far so good, as far as I can see. Now that we know that this uh, scholarly approach is solving people's problems when it comes to RA variability, I put together a larger paper targeting one of the, one of the more well-known open access psychiatry journals, which was recently accepted for publication and should be online soon. Now, of course, this experiment, which is, do, is there a need for better understanding RA variability, uh, will continue. But uh, now you can see how this works. You ship. You measure, then you learn. So that's all the time we have for today. Uh, make sure you follow the Startup Scientist on Twitter. The handle is at TSS underscore podcast. You can like the podcast on Facebook. Just search the Startup Scientists. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can also email me at startupscientist at gmail.com. Finally, if you like what you hear, make sure you tell your friends. You can tell them on Facebook and Twitter. If you're getting something out of this, I'm sure your colleagues will too. Bye for now.